Hey folks, this is Frank Reynolds, and this is The Lies People Tell. And I'm going to have a uh, little different episode today for you. Uh, in commemoration of uh, my book being released, at least the ebook has been released, and the paperback will be released in April. And I thought that I would talk a little bit about why I wrote the book, uh, the genesis of it, and do a selected reading from the book to give you a flavor for what the book is. It sounds like and what it will feel like when you're reading it and to give you a little insight into what you're going to get when you purchase this book. Currently, the book is available for an ebook. You can uh, buy that right now for $8.99. It'll be delivered to whatever device you have, whether it's an Apple device or Kindle immediately, and you can start reading it right now. The paperback version of the book will be coming out in April 11th. The reason why I wrote this book is uh, there's a couple of different reasons. And I think the best way I can explain it is using a story that uh, was told by our pastor this morning at church. And after he told the story, I thought to myself, that is exactly right. That's why I wrote this book. So let me tell you the story. There was a pastor who wanted to know more about heaven and hell. He wanted to be enlightened so he could better lead his flock and counsel people. So before he laid himself down to sleep at night, he prayed to God to show him what hell is like so he would better understand and be able to help his people that he talked to and counseled and preached to. So the pastor lays down, goes to sleep, and the next thing you know, he's sitting at a table surrounded by all these people. And in the middle of the table is this big pot of delicious-smelling stew. And every person had on their hand tied a really very, very long spoon where they could reach in to the pot and get stew out. Unfortunately, the spoon was so long and their arms were so short, they could never get the ladle of the spoon to their mouth. So they couldn't eat. So everyone at the table was frustrated. They were mad. They were sullen They saw what they wanted to have, and yet they couldn't have it. It was always out of their reach. He wakes up and realizes, well, okay, so that's what hell is like. It's a miserable place. You see what you want, and it's out of reach, and you can never have it. So the next night, he prays to God that uh, to find out and understand better what heaven is like. Once again, he lays down, goes to sleep. Next thing you know, he's back at the same table with the same people from the night before. And once again, there's the same big pot of stew in the middle of the table and the same long spoons tied to their hand. The difference is that everyone at the table is happy and they're laughing and smiling and enjoying themselves. It's very uplifting and it's uh, jovial. What was the difference? Instead of trying to just feed themselves, they were taking the long spoons and feeding each other. They realized, 
And the preacher, when he woke up, realized that to achieve heaven, heaven on earth or in the afterlife, you have to help others first before you help yourself. You have to not be selfish and not worry about what's in it for me. Worry about what you can do for someone else. Because what you give, you'll get back. And I thought that that is the perfect summation of why I wrote this book. I spent 20-plus years as an FBI agent. Had a lot of great opportunities, a lot of great adventures, talked to thousands of people, been lied to thousands and thousands of times. And I've learned a lot about detecting deception and knowing when someone's lying to me. But I didn't always know why I knew. I just knew it. This book, and and the reason why I wrote this book is I thought to myself, I've taught these lessons to law enforcement for many years. But I thought to myself, you know who really needs this is the average person. The mom or dad out there dealing with a, a kid that's not being truthful. People that are dealing with salespeople. People that are being scammed by people. Uh, counselors who are counseling uh, people with drug addictions or any type of addictive behavior, Uh, coaches who are coaching people, whether it's in sports or financial or business, Uh, mentors, people that mentor other people, leaders, HR people, people that interview for a living, anyone that has to interact with someone on a daily basis could benefit from my knowledge. So instead of writing this book for a law enforcement audience, I decided to write it for the average person. Much of it is business related, but these tools can be used by any person, any day of the week. So I want to give back. And yes, of course, I want to sell some books and I want to make some money on this. That's, that's fine, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the thing is, is the amount of work and effort you put into a book, uh, you, know, you, you want to get some compensation from it, but a larger part of the compensation I get from it is knowing that I've helped other people. They've learned something from this. They've reach out to me later and say, I never knew this, but now I've, I know it, and I've experienced it, and I was able to divert whatever happened, I was able to detect deception. That's the uh, a large part of the compensation I do also. from I drive from this. Writing is a very personal, lonely journey in many ways because when you're writing a book, you're by yourself in a quiet place in your own head for hours on end. And you doubt yourself. You sometimes get done writing and say, this is crap. I'm never going to finish this. Or you get discouraged because you think no one will ever want to read this or they'll think you're stupid for doing it. And like you have the imposter syndrome where you think, well, who am I to put myself forward as an expert? But see, I don't. I've been able to eliminate that because I don't put myself forward as an expert in anything. I'm an expert in operations, meaning I know how this works operationally. You know, academically, 
Yeah, I can hold my own academically with uh, people that want to debate the uh, tenets I put forth in this book. This is more for a daily use type of thing. So I spent a lot of time and effort writing this book, and I think it turned out to be a pretty good product. The people that have read it have said that they very much enjoyed it, and they they find it uh, interesting. They learned a lot from it, and it's an easy, enjoyable read. And I hope you will find the same thing too. But I thought this would be a good opportunity for me to give you a little taste of what the, the book sounds like in hopes that you might decide to go out and purchase the book, either in an ebook form or the, the paper ta- uh, paperback version that comes out in April. So with that, I want to read you the introduction to the book. Introduction. Have you ever had that feeling you're being lied to? That the person you're talking to is not being honest with you. Maybe you can't quite put your finger on it, but a little voice tells you something is not quite right. Listen to that voice, because it's telling you something important. The amygdala is the oldest part of the human brain, and it tells us when there's danger nearby. It is the part of the brain that governs your senses and allows you to react to danger and threats. In the distant past of human evolution, the amygdala played a much larger part of everyday life. The caveman may have not seen the saber-toothed tiger lying in wait in the tall grass, but the amygdala sent him a signal, whether through scent, sight, or sound, that there was danger nearby, and he went on high alert. But with the advance of civilization and society, we don't listen to our amygdala anymore. We blithely, and incorrectly, believe we're safe, or that we already know the dangers around us. We may not have to watch out for saber-toothed tigers today, but believe me, Predators are stalking unsuspecting people all the time. Deceit and playing fast and loose with the truth have become accepted in modern society. With the rise of technology and the age of information overload, we have been lied to and deceived so frequently that we as a society have become immune to it. Our political leaders deceive us with slick double talk. We are fed a steady stream of disinformation and fake news. Slick salespeople hook us into buying things we don't need or don't deliver as promised. It is so prevalent that we don't even notice it anymore. We just shrug our collective shoulders and say, it's just the way it is. But it doesn't have to be this way. Unchecked and undeterred deception can have many negative effects on your lives and on our family's well-beings. Have you ever said to yourself, if I had known what I know now, I wouldn't have done that, or... I can't believe I fell for that load of BS. I have. We all have. When we are deceived, we can lose our money and lessen our power to provide for and protect our family. Our status in our community can be compromised and our self-worth diminished. When we realize we've been duped, we're angry. We want vengeance. We want to get back at the villain. Unfortunately, that almost never happens, and we're left feeling defeated, and betrayed by the world. It's just wrong. The genesis of this book. When I was a new FBI agent, my first assignment was Buffalo, New York. For some unknown reason, in the late 1990s, Buffalo, New York was a hotbed for telemarketers with numerous telemarketing boiler rooms operating in the Buffalo area. 
The problem was significant enough that the Buffalo FBI office started a telemarketing task force to address the problem to which I was assigned. Once assigned to the task force, I started an investigation of a telemarketing group operating out of a boiler room on Delaware Avenue that specifically targeted senior citizens who had been previously scammed by other telemarketers. They called themselves WNY Recovery, Inc. WNY Recovery, Inc. guaranteed their victims that they would recover all the senior citizens previously lost money for a small 10% fee paid up front, of course. In In the world of telemarketing, List of people who have financial problems or who have recently won or inherited large amounts of money are bought and sold. Even more nefarious, lists of prior telemarketing victims are also bought and sold. These victims have already shown a penchant for falling for the slick talk of a telemarketer. They are like pre-approved victims. I know people say, hey, if you're dumb enough to fall for this once or even worse twice, well, too bad for you. But consider how easily your mom, your dad, grandfather, or grandmother could be victimized by a slick fraudster. I spent weeks calling and interviewing these victims. Most were very reluctant to admit that they had been defrauded a second time. Many had never told anyone that they had been defrauded the first time. There was a lot of shame and embarrassment. This is where I really started to learn how to interview people. I had to gently coax the truth out of the victims using the few interviewing tools I possessed at the time in my career. After interviewing these victims, it was clear that they were very trusting people and totally clueless when it came to being deceived. It was heartbreaking to hear stories of how they lost their meager savings or how it destroyed their financial security. I'm telling you, when you hear an 80-year-old woman sobbing on the phone telling you how she trusted the nice young man when he promised to get her money back, it changes you. Thinking back on it still makes me angry. I learned a few things during this investigation. One, I have a knack for interviewing people and getting them to open up to me. This is probably my greatest asset as an FBI agent. If an agent can't talk to people, they're ineffective and probably will end up in FBI management. Two, because people aren't informed, they're easily fooled. Three, to be a better investigator, I needed to learn as much as I could about detecting deception. I spent the rest of my FBI career learning and researching how to effectively detect deception. I became a better interviewer and investigator because of what I had learned. So after all these years, I decided to write this book to share what I have learned over my 20-year FBI career. I never want to see someone's future stolen because they don't know what I know. After decades of perfecting the American public, I feel obligated to share what I've learned through years of experience, training, and research in the area of deception. My hope is that after you've finished this book, you will listen to what people say in a different way. You'll read things in a different light. For lack of a better term, your BS meter will be pegged out. If you practice what I'll teach you in the following pages, I promise the following. One, you will recognize when someone is trying to deceive you. Two, you will become a better communicator. Three, you will understand people better. Four, you'll be better armed to protect your family and your money. Five, you will become more successful. 
This book is not an academic tome. It's meant to be a common sense, easy to read, and hopefully entertaining guide that helps you recognize the various ways people try to deceive us every day. That's not to say that what I teach isn't backed up by research. It most definitely is. The lessons in this book are drawn from research done by such esteemed researchers as Susan H. Adams and John P. Jarvis, Judy Burgoon and Tianan Twin, Stephen Porter and John Uli, Don Raybon, Avanom Sepir, Wendell Buddy Rudisell, and many others. What I teach is meant to be portable and practical. Portable and practical in that you can take the knowledge with you and easily use it in your everyday life, both personally and professionally. I want you to be able to listen to what you hear and automatically know someone is using deceptive language. The book is broken into two sections. The first section covers indicators of deception. These are the broad strokes of clues I look for in deceptive language. In chapters 1 through 8, I teach how to use deceptive language analysis to analyze statements, both verbal and written, and how to formulate an interview strategy to get to the truth. You will learn how to detect deception and gain insight into the motivations behavior of people. We delve into listening and why we have such a hard time doing it. We discuss how to determine whether a statement is balanced or out of balance. I show you how to recognize unique sensory details, spatial details, and where emotions should show up in statements. I'll explain how extraneous information is used to deceive, how time can tell you when someone's being deceptive, and how to differentiate between appropriate equivocations and inappropriate equivocations based on the statement's context. In the second section, we get into the nitty-gritty of the specific parts of language used to deceive. Chapters 9 through 13 explain the significance of the cast of characters found in the statement, how pronouns tell us what and who is important to someone, the many ways verbs can be used to deceive, how intensifiers and minimizers are used to convince but not convey information, and how time jumps are employed to move a story along and skip over uncomfortable parts. We will finish with how to formulate amplification questions to extract more information from the people trying to fool us. Throughout this book, I use statements from criminal investigations I personally was involved in or in ones I've gathered over the years while consulting with law enforcement agencies across the United States on their cases. Some of these cases and statements will be familiar. Casey Anthony, George Zimmerman, Susan Smith, Jerry Sandusky, Oscar Pistorius, and some less well-known. I use these illustrations of deceptive language because they are good examples of the points I make and also because they're just interesting stories. It gives the readers a chance to go behind the scenes of the crime, so to speak, but it also gives the examples of how these deceptive tricks can be used in business and interpersonal actions. This book is intended to arm you, the average citizen, with the tools to kiss liars before you get fooled. If you're ready, let's get started. So that's the introduction to the book. Uh, I'm very proud of the book. I think that uh, I, I have high hopes for it, but you never know. There's a lot of books out there, and people are very busy, and uh, I get that. But sometimes you just got to take a break from uh, the cable news and the hubbub of life and sit down with a book, immerse yourself in it, and learn something new. I think you're going to enjoy this book. There's some good stories in there, some stories of my personal uh, career, 
stories of the statements and the behind the scenes story of how those statements came about and what really happened. So there's a little true crime feel to it. There's some psychology to it also. And, uh, it's generally a book meant to help you think outside the box and recognize what you probably already know, but to put a name to it. Cause once we can put a name to something, it's so much easier to recognize it and understand what's happening when it does occur. So I thank you for uh, indulging me today with uh, this episode, a little different uh, from what we normally do. And trust me, we, when we get back uh, next week, we will uh, have an episode where we're making fun of uh, our elites and uh, the dumb people that are running our country and the, the world and having trying to have a laugh at their expense. But I thought this is a, a nice uh, opportunity to step back from the craziness of the world and talk about uh, something a little different, something that hopefully you're all interested in. I'm going to put a link into the show notes of how to buy the book at bookbaby.com, my publisher, or uh, and for Amazon also, where you can go to Amazon. They have the look inside feature not only at thebookbaby.com, but also on Amazon that you can read even further than uh, just the introduction. So give it a look. And uh, if you do buy it and read it, uh, please give me a review because the reviews on the books really make a difference on how much they advertise the book and how high in the ratings they put the book so it shows up easier when you're looking for it. And, you know, there's a lot of competition out there. And... We need all the help we can get. And you guys have always been great uh, listeners and coming back week after week. And I really do appreciate it. So let's try to make this a bestseller. Get the word out. Spread the word. And uh, I once again, thank you for always coming and uh, listening to me go on and try to make you laugh. Uh, Sometimes I'm successful. Maybe sometimes I'm not. I don't know. But uh, I always uh, give it my best shot. And with that, I will talk to you guys next week.